0: Welcome, one and all, to this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show, and I am in a fantastic mood today. So, let's just not waste any time in the intro. Let's just go straight into the weather. Yeah, everybody's favorite talking point here on the Logan Blackman Show. Right now in Urbandale, where we do the Logan Blackman Show here in my parents' basement. 72 degrees and sunny. It's a beautiful day outside. Beautiful. B-E-A-U to full day as bruce nolan would say in bruce almighty it's gonna be a high of 80 degrees later today there is a 10 percent chance of rain but that's it doesn't matter yesterday looked like it was gonna rain the entire day how many drops did it rain as far as i know zero how many drops as i count i think it was zero but maybe i'm wrong maybe it rained somewhere else winds coming out of the, uh, the west at six miles an hour air quality is good and it feels like what it is 72 degrees what it is. And I know you're sitting there wondering, Logan, why are you in such a good mood today? What could make your mood pipe up and make you so, so happy? So very, very happy. Well, ladies and gentlemen, baseball is back from the depths of despair, where we thought there will not be a baseball season because the players and the owners did not like each other. They hated each other with so much anger and distrust between the two sides and yet, here we are. Players report to camp on July 1st. Just a few short days away. June 24th, right now, they will report back on July 1st. 60 regular season games starting on July 23rd or July 24th. Teams will play 40 games in each division, 20 interleague games. It's going to be fun. Trade deadline will end on August 31st or trade deadline will be August 31st man oh man what a great day what a great day because now with baseball being back pretty much all the major sports are back or at least coming back the NBA is resuming July 30th the MLB as we said July 24th or 23rd The NFL training camps open in late July, NHL projected to resume in late July, MLS resumes on July 8th, and the WNBA comes back on July 24th. But guys, the big news today, baseball is back. Nobody, well, there's probably some people, I on one hand did not think baseball was coming back. I thought there would be, as ESPN said, so much distrust and anger towards each side they would not be able to agree, and they kept deny they kept uh, canceling, and axing uh, out, and not voting for the MLB's proposals. Like thirty-three to five vote on Monday night. Then yesterday, we get the news that baseball is back. And the other day, I texted my dad this. I believe it was Monday night or Monday. The Cubs signed Ed Howard first round draft pick this year from Chicago is going to go play at Oklahoma, but will join the Chicago Cubs has signed his major league deal and will be a Chicago Cub. Cow- I'm very excited for Ed Howard, Ed Howard, watching his highlights. Now I know it's highlights and everybody looks good on a highlight tape, but it's just exciting. Watch a guy like Ed Howard play. So if a guy like Nico Horner doesn't work out, then Ed Howard's right there. And I hope Ed Howard doesn't develop into the player. Like he's right there like a Glyber Torres, where he's right there, he's the number one prospect in our farm system, one of the best prospects in the league, but Nico Horner, or whoever's at second, is not doing that bad, so we're like, okay, let's trade away Ed Howard, and then the next year, Nico Horner does not do anything, and Ed Howard's an all-star. I would like all of these players, Ed Howard, Nico Horner, to just be on the Cubs for their careers. How to fit them in? uh we'll find out if nico needs to move a third or moved outfield and move bias back to second move ed howard to short whatever it'll work out i'm i'm excited for the cubs farm system again because of ed howard they got a pitcher and i believe the second round they could throw about 105 miles an hour which i mean speed is is good <laughs> but if you're not accurate with it then it's a little bit of a problem now he is a second round draft pick so he is very well thought of in this by the Chicago Cubs as there is like a hundred rounds in the MLB draft. But I haven't seen him pick. I just seen him throw hundred five miles an hour or something around that. But I haven't seen him actually throw it in a game. Like Jordan Hicks, I what, he hit that one year, 109? Is that fact? Or is that am I making up a number? For the Cardinals, Jordan Hicks. But it was way off and almost destroyed Yadier Molina, which I would have been fine with. But you know what? It's beside the point. We're not here spread hate towards Cardinals players even though I'm not against it you do you you can hate on the Cardinals players I do it from time to time and yeah I'm not saying I'm not saying don't do it so yeah just go have fun baseball is back we'll go into baseball talk a little bit later in the show I think there's got to be something we talk about first though we're gonna go more in depth with baseball we got everything set up. We got, uh, league standings for the AL East, all the rest of the leagues in the, in the major leagues. We got award predictions. I know we did this like, when was this a month ago? A little over a month ago with the MLB predictions, but I'm going to do it again because now I actually know what's going to be happening. Cause at that point I was just like, ah, let's just do it. We didn't know what the divisions were going to look like because they're reporting that they were going to do like the whole like central division where it's like, just teams in the central playing each other, which I guess it is kind of how it worked out, but it's not in a division sense. Like the Braves aren't in that division, which I don't understand why they were in that division, but it's whatever. We'll talk about it more in a little bit. But if you've been following the news recently and going on news reports and all that stuff, there's been a report in NASCAR with NASCAR driver Bubba Wallace found a noose in his garage stall. Now, this has been taken by, but it's been taken in many directions by a lot of different news sources out there. Like if you go on CNN, they're talking about how racist NASCAR is. And then you go on, I don't know, what, what other ones are there? Those are really ones I've only actually heard people talk about NASCAR. And then you have other people talking about the unity of NASCAR, like how all the drivers walked Bubba Wallace's car up to the start, the front row. How awesome that was. Cause that was really cool. Like how unified NASCAR was during that time was insane. And then everybody's like, okay, we got to find this person who did the Cause that's not, that's it's 2020. We can't be doing that kind of stuff. You can't, you shouldn't really, you shouldn't be doing that at any time. Really putting a noose and putting just throwing up a noose, and so in someone's garage stall. So NASCAR released the statement of whoever we find did this is going to have a lifetime ban for NASCAR. I think it was a lifetime ban. Maybe it's a year ban. I I think it was lifetime though. Cause this is a you, you can't do that. You just can't. So now we're on the hunt for this person that hung a noose in Bubba Wallace's g- garage, which is a very like in these garages, especially in COVID-19 times, not there's not a lot of access to these garage areas. So you would think, my, we were talking, my family and I were talking about this, you'd think they'd be able to find who did this, like, that. You got security cameras in a very, very exclusive area, where nobody really can get, it's only a team member could have done this. So it had to be like a pit crew member, and God forbid, if it was one of the drivers, then we'd have... Even bigger, like that random truck driver that retired because they wouldn't allow the Confederate flag in the NASCAR events. But then he came back. (laughs) He had zero wins and zero. I don't even think he had a top 10 finish. I I didn't even know he was there. And I've watched truck races before. I didn't even know who he was. Truck races go to the Iowa Speedway every single year. And I've been there for every single truck race. And (laughs) he just. No idea who this guy was. So then we develop into yesterday where it's not a noose it is a handle to pull the garage door shut which is seen on every single garage door which was there last year and has been for i don't know probably since it was installed which i don't know when it was installed just like a little handle to pull the door shut they so don't have garage door openers it's just a handle you pull it shut so then you have the people that are saying nascar is racist Then you got the people saying NASCAR is unified now. Now, on one side, you got people blaming Bubba Wallace for this whole situation. And some people are still on the fact that NASCAR is, why is it shaped like a noose in the first place? Which, I'll start with the second one first. It's a handle. It's just a handle to pull a door shut. That's all it is. Just a handle. But then the people that are going Bubba Wallace said this. Bubba Wallace to the people that are saying Bubba Wallace didn't say any Bubba Wallace never saw it it was a crew member of Bubba Wallace's that reported it Bubba didn't see this it was his crew member that reported it and yeah it's not Bubba's fault that this got reported and these times we can't be going oh there's a noose in there because obviously we're going to be seeing that as a racist sign even though it's just a garage door closer in NASCAR I'm aware does not and just racing in general I love racing I have gone the Iowa Speedway ever since its inception I was at the Iowa Speedway with my papa before there was even asphalt down I remember when it was just a hole I love racing I've been grown up around racing my pop my grandparents watched NASCAR my dad watches NASCAR Some of my friends watch NASCAR. My dad's got a Jeff Gordon car collection in our, in the office. I'm looking at it right now. I have an Indy car collection. So like racing is a big part of my life, but there is a negative side to the racing with it major being vastly raced in the South. There is a lot of, I don't know. It's not seen as the most progressive sport out there. I guess you could say. With NASCAR banning the Confederate flag a few weeks ago, which we talked about, the truck driver that retired because of the banning of the Confederate flag. So NASCAR hasn't been seen as the most, like, inclusive sport of all time. Bubba Wallace is, to my knowledge, now I don't, I'm trying to think back, because I can't, I think he might be the first black NASCAR driver in the big time series, the Monster Energy Cup. I could be wrong, but I'm just thinking I don't think there has been another black driver in NASCAR. There's been a lot of uh foreign drivers, like you see Juan Pablo Montoya from Colombia racing. But you don't see a lot of black drivers. You don't see a lot of female drivers. You do an IndyCar. In IndyCar you see a lot of female drivers. I think there's like four or five on the circuit right now. But NASCAR, you had Danica Patrick, that was it. NASCAR right now, for black drivers, is just Bubba Wallace. And we have a few months back with Kyle Larson, an Asian-American driver, hard r the N-word on a live stream when they were doing that whole live uh, video game NASCAR racing. where They had those setups in their living room pretty much, and he got dropped like a rock, and rightfully so. And then you got the people in sprint car racing, Which, if you guys think NASCAR isn't the most inclusive. I'm not hating on sprint car races. I like sprint cars. But they're not the most. A lot of people don't view sprint car drivers and sprint car series as, again, the most inclusive sport in America. So, like Kyle Larson got dropped by all of his sponsors in NASCAR and the, um, I almost said Bush series, which is what it was called when I was younger, the Xfinity series, but still races sprint cars. A lot of sprint car people coming to his defense and all that stuff. So a lot of people are sprint. A lot of people don't really like sprint car because of that, but to call NASCAR racist, I don't think is we should be hat. We should be celebrating the fact that this wasn't a noose, that this wasn't a hate crime. Instead of going on the fact that why is it shaped like a noose? Well it's a door handle. So what a lot of door handles look like. I'm I'm sorry. But again, Bubba Wallace never saw this. Bubba Wallace didn't report this. His crew members did. So he can't twist it on the fact that oh Bubba Wallace was just using this to gain support. No, don't say that because Bubba Wallace did not do that. I have watched Bubba Wallace. He was in the truck series. Bubba Wallace was and he's gradually made his way up into the monster energy cup he dominated the truck series he was he's been pretty good in the Xfinity and then NASCAR he's just on a bad team that races with spare parts now Jimmy Johnson for Hendrick Motorsport is retiring arguably the greatest NASCAR driver of all time next to Richard Petty and all Jeff Gordon you can argue up there as well Jimmy Johnson's retiring so there's going to be an opening at Hendrick you got a young team there a few years ago, you had arguably the most experienced team in NASCAR, with Jeff Gordon, Jimmy Johnson, Dale Hart Jr., Casey Kane. Now, you got a team of Chase Elliott, Will Byron, and Alex Bowman. So, you got all these guys, and now you got an opening here. Bubba Wallace races in a Chevy, races for Richard Petty Incorporated, which is Chevy, which basically gets their parts from Hendrick. Bubba is good friends with Chase Elliott, really good friends with Ryan Blaney, who is Chase Elliott's best friend. Those two have known each other. They're friends. So Bubba Wallace, gradually going up to Hendrick Motorsport, seems like a natural progression in his career, which would be perfect. Because Alex Bowman right now and Chase Elliott, more so Chase Elliott. Chase Elliott is one of the top five drivers in NASCAR, I would say. Maybe top three. Alex Bowman... Is in the top ten, I would say. He struggled a little bit when he first got called up to NASCAR before he joined Hendrick, but now he's starting to find his groove and he gets a lot of top ten finishes. Byron just needs to win a race, and once Byron wins a race, I think he'll the wins will start coming more because Byron's very talented, very talented driver. And then you add Bubba Wallace to that. That is a very good team. Bubba just needs a chance with a, a team that can actually help him. There's only so. There's only so many drivers that can win with a bad team. Look at Martin Truex with uh the Furniture Row team or whatever their team name was called. When he had the Bass Pro shot when he won the Nat, when he won the the series before he joined Joe Gibbs Racing. Like if you look at all the teams Martin Truex had before that, <laughs> and all the cars he drove in, that showed how good Martin Truex was. That's what got him the big money deal to Joe Gibbs Racing, who arguably has the best team in NASCAR right now featuring Kyle Bush. Uh Eric Jones. Then you got Oh crap. <laughs> Denny Hamlin and Martin Truex. Christopher Bell's breathing down the neck of Eric Jones. So that's it's whatever. But yeah. NASCAR was uniform. It was a beautiful scene at at the race. I think it was when was this race? Monday? Because it got delayed on Sunday. I think it was Monday. But it was a beautiful scene and Bubba coming in 14th, you would think he won the race. It was awesome. But we can't have the, oh, it wasn't a noose, but why is it shaped like a noose? And to my knowledge, NASCAR just now banned the Confederate flag. We don't, we can't be calling NASCAR racist. Sure, NASCAR does not have the best history in that stuff, and yes, they were late to banning the Confederate flag, but NASCAR is not a racist sport and i'm proud of watching bubba wallace because bubba wallace is a good driver bubba wallace is just on a trash team and once he actually gets a good team around him man he could actually start winning races but nascar's handled this whole like what what has it been like the past two weeks amazingly you would say especially the past couple days Yeah. I'm, I love watching NASCAR. NASCAR is now I could get people not liking NASCAR, watching NASCAR on TV. I can understand that because it's just going in circle. Live is different and I can't really explain it. You kind of just have to go because you're like, ah, they're still just going in circle, but live sports is just a better experience overall. I think a lot of people can agree with that. Now I know a lot of people, just like sitting in their comfy chairs with their snacks, not having to wait in bathroom lines. They could turn the volume off. if They want to, they could change the channel when it's on commercial break and all that kind of stuff. But live is just different. Racing is very different live. I was at the, my dad and I were at the Indy car race last year and I might've talked to, Oh wait, no, I didn't because we were in the summer, but I posted on my Snapchat story. My dad and I were at the Indy race. The Indy car race is my favorite live racing ever. I've seen all sorts of live racing, but Indy car is my favorite. I've loved watching Indy car. As I said, I got an Indy car collection. My dad and I were at an Indy car race last year, and it was pouring rain the entire day. We stayed in Newton, Iowa that entire day. The race, I don't think, started till about 11.00. And we stayed for the entire... Well, not the entire because we left early because my guy... His guy wrecked. His guy's Tony Cannon, And my guy, Scott Dixon, was in nowhere near any spot to win the race. We're in the car driving home. Scott Dixon finishes second. We're like, what? Where did that come from? <laughs> Scott Dixon was nowhere near winning that race. even coming in second. So that was a good way to end the night. <laughs> he almost fell asleep in the car ride home. But at the race... It was awesome. So I very much recommend going to a race live because it's a lot different experience than just watching a race on TV, in my opinion. But I think a lot of people, could, you can say that about every sport too. I don't like watching tennis live, which I don't really think watching tennis in person would be that much better, but that's just me. Because <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of tennis. But yeah, I'm just happy this whole NASCAR situation that it was just a door handle that it wasn't a noose that this wasn't a hate crime because that uh we don't need to, at this point in time in american history we can't be just uh, you can't have that so i'm very happy that it was just a door handle and i don't want people uh what do you want to call it i don't want people hating on the sport of nascar just because of this situation. I think the way they've handled everything these past couple weeks has been awesome, especially on Monday with the drivers walking Bubba Wallace to the front row. Like, that was awesome. All the drivers walking side-by-side side and next to Bubba Wallace's car. It was awesome. So we can't, don't be hating on NASCAR. NASCAR is a fun sport. You just need, and yes, I said sport because it is a sport. It's not as, doesn't have a ball in it, and on the face of it, it doesn't look like it's that hard, because you're just driving in circles, but it's a hard sport, and I'm not, not going to discredit NASCAR at all, at all. I love watching NASCAR, and I'm going to continue watching NASCAR, and I hope Bubba Wallace comes over to Hendrick Motorsport, because that would be awesome. So, with that being said, let's look at some scores around the world of soccer. Before we get into our Major League Baseball talk, let's look at some scores from around the world of soccer. We got the Premier League going on today. Manchester United will be taking on Sheffield United. Dean Henderson will have to be sitting out in this game because if you know the rules of the loan situation in the Premier League or just in leagues in general, actually I don't know about leagues in general, but in the Premier League especially, loan players are not allowed to play against their parent club. So Dean Henderson, starting goalie for Sheffield United, one of the best goalkeepers in the Premier League this season, will not be playing today. Dean Henderson was would be coming in this game, not really brimming on confidence either, coming in off of a 3 0 destruction against Newcastle the other day. But yes, it will not be Dean Henderson in goal. So hopefully, Manchester United can take advantage of that today. All the game will take place at noon o'clock on NBC Sports Network. I'll be watching that right. I'm trying to get this show done and dusted. So I can watch the game. Uh, Also today, we have Wolves versus Bournemouth. Wolves had a very impressive performance against West Ham the other day. Adama Traore with a brilliant display coming off the bench. Bournemouth, of course, in the relegation zone in 18th place on 27 points. Tied with West Ham. Have a one goal difference between them and West Ham, which keeps West Ham up right now. Newcastle United is taking on Aston Villa. Again, Newcastle beat Sheffield United 3-0 the other day. Norwich is taking on Everton, and Liverpool are taking on Crystal Palace. On Thursday, we have Burnley versus Watford, Southampton versus Arsenal, and Chelsea versus Manchester City. That will be a very fun one to watch. Hopefully, Christian Pulisic gets the start for Chelsea in that game. And on Arsenal, Arsenal has just re-signed center back David Luiz to a one-year contract, or signed him to a one-year contract. After watching what happened against Manchester City, how can you unironically offer this guy a contract? How? He basically gave our Manchester City the first goal and gave up the penalty, which saw him get a red card. He subbed on. He didn't even start the game. <laughs> he came into the game, gave up a goal, and gave up a penalty, got a red card. It's like the perfect game. And yet that does that warrants a contract extension i don't know david louise has never been the best defender even though he has commanded world record fees while transferring from chelsea to psg and likewise going from psg to chelsea he's never been a world-class defender he's been world-class in his technique and his free kick taking ability if you remember the free kick he had in the 2014 world cup where he just smashed it one of the one of the goals of the tournament. He has technique. He just ain't a defender. Look at the back three when Chelsea won the league with Antonio Conte. David Luiz played the center part of that back three, basically going up into midfield. So they kind of played a 4-3-3. But it was a 5-2-3, uh, 5-2-3. I think is what they ran. Yeah, that's what they ran. 5-2-3. David Luiz is not a great defender, which is why Chelsea were so uh willing to let him go to their london rival arsenal and he has not done anything great for arsenal since but has warranted him a contract extension yay arsenal are a mess right now and i am i am loving every second of this growing up a manchester united fan when i was growing up arsenal it was arsenal manchester united chelsea and liverpool sometimes that was it manchester city didn't really start getting good until around 2010 when they got the takeover was it was it 2009 somewhere around there <laughs> i hate arsenal with a burning passion i was jumping for joy when manchester united got robin van Persie from arsenal that was awesome and then proceeded to win the league that year i loved it All of Arsenal's best players eventually make their way to Manchester City. At least that's how it used to be. Gail Clichy. Then you got, um, oh crap, Samir Nasri. Adebayor. Sprinting all the way to the other side of the field (laughs) to slide right in front of the Arsenal fans. That is awesome. He sprinted, he scored a goal, sprinted all the way to the other side of the field, and slid and opened his arms up to the Arsenal fans. That was around that time everybody was leaving Arsenal <laughs> for Manchester City. And Then you had Ashley Cole going to Chelsea. Like, out of all the players Arsenal has had, their best ones always tend to leave for another team in England. At least it feels like it. And they don't really go on to do much at that other team, except for Ashley Cole, of course. But as the case for Bayorg, Khaleesi, Nasri, they didn't really do I I don't know, they won trophies, but were they the best players at that time? No, Nasri played a nice little role for Manchester City at that time, but Gail Clichy was kind of rotating with Kolarov at the time, so he didn't really have a nailed down spot in the starting lineup. Ashley Cole elevated his game once he went to Chelsea. Good Lord, he's probably the best left back in the world at that point. But Arsenal, man, they're a joke, and I'm loving every second of it. They have one of the best strikers in the world in Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, but they have the, one of the worst defenses in the world, featuring like Mustafi and David Luiz. David Luiz should just be a midfielder. He should just be a holding midfielder. He ain't a defender. He's not. You could have seen that if you didn't think, know that prior to the 2014 World Cup. You should have known it after that, after they just got smashed 7-1 by Germany. That should have been, oh yeah, this guy's not really that great of a defender. Him and Dante put one of the worst defensive performances I've ever seen. It was a semi-finals. <laughs> it wasn't like it was a group stage game. Or you can have a bad game in the group stage and just have it. This was a semi Now I get Neymar. Was out injured and Thiago Silva got a red car, or amassed too many yellow cards, was suspended that game, which is an idiot part on his off him. So David Luiz was captain. That Brazil team minus Neymar and <laughs> Thiago Silva was not very good. <laughs> like, where are they going to get their goals from? Because they had Oscar, you had a Hulk, uh, Bernard, especially ain't coming from Fred, which at that time, it would have been Diego Costa. You would have expected it to. Diego Costa, for those of you who don't know, is actually Brazilian. He played for the Brazilian national team, but it's not in a competitive fixture, so he had the right to switch over allegiances to Spain, and he got a, a passport in Spain, which allowed him to, just to go to the Spanish national team. He ain't Spanish. I don't know how these people do that, how they like switch nationalities like that. If I'm I'm born in the United States of America. If I get called in the United States national team, yeah, I'm going to take it. I'm not going to switch allegiances to, like, Sweden if they call me. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to stay with the U.S. I was born in the U.S. I lived in the U.S. Why would I switch nationalities? Is that people got too many. They don't respect their national teams enough, I guess. <laughs> you see that all the time people switch nationalities. Jack Grealish, Declan Rice, switch from Ireland to England, Scott Arfield, switched from scotland to canada a lot of the u.s players have done that jermaine jones fabian johnson john brooks well, this goes on and on timmy chandler aaron johansson who's not even on the u.s national team anymore but he was on he came from iceland then obviously the Diego costa situation that's another one there's so many Miroslav close is born in poland He's Germany. He's the all-time record scorer in World Cups. And I in Germany's all-time scorer. He's from Poland. Same with uh Lukas Podolski, I think, as well as from Poland. Like these people and their nationalities, man. Let's switch them like that. But man, we were just talking about <laughs> we are talking about David Luiz. And we got talking about how people are disloyal in their national teams. But man, Arsenal are, they're in trouble. <laughs> I'm enjoying it. Arsenal fans are the most annoying fans in the Premier League. Just go watch Arsenal Fan TV if you don't know what, uh, how how annoying their fans are. Just go watch Arsenal Fan TV. It's like a uh, a cult. It's a beautiful station. <laughs> it's one of my favorite YouTube channels. Go watch some Arsenal Fan TV. But as you know, Arsenal lost to Brighton. Brighton. Neil Mopay injured. Burned Leno. So Burn Leno was out for, I think, six weeks. I think is what it said so he will not be playing for arsenal so there's another your terrible defense mixed with now you got a backup goal in. yeah it's just not fun for arsenal i don't really care <laughs> uh let's go over some scores we had on tuesday we had tottenham beating west ham 2-0 harry kane getting a goal there and lester drawing nil nil with brighton played a very interesting side in this game uh mendy played uh clechi and nacho played just not their usual side that they'd bring a damari gray played so it just wasn't their usual side but the draw nil nil there and manchester city on monday just made burnley look like a youth team essentially five nil victory for manchester city over burnley now let's look at la liga and say happy birthday to the goat lionel messi who turns 33 today 33 years old with 34 trophies 699 goals to his name and six ballon d'Ors. the greatest player in the history of soccer undoubtedly I don't care I Cristiano Ronaldo was my favorite player growing up he was on Manchester United he was one of the reasons I loved Manchester United him and Wayne Rooney were my two favorite players growing up and then before that when I was had I think it was people three or four at Ruud Van Nistelrooy was my favorite player. Cristiano left and then was battling week in and week, or not week in and week out, but actually, yeah, game in and game on with Messi. And even though he was my favorite player, I ain't stupid. My eyes do a lot of work in, it and undoubtedly Messi's the greatest player of all time. I'm still one of those people that think Cristiano Ronaldo was a better overall player playing for Manchester United than he was at Real Madrid. He was a great goal scorer at Real Madrid, but overall, I loved watching him. He was just so awesome to watch at Manchester. Now, go watch some Cristiano Ronaldo-Manchester United highlights. It was awesome. But Barcelona retook the lead in La Liga, beating Athletic Bilbao 1-0 after dropping points against Sevilla, allowing Real Madrid to get back into the title race. They had to win. They did. Beat Atletico about 1-0. Real Valladolid tied Getafe 1-1. And Atletico Madrid beat Levante 1-0. And then on Monday, we had two draws. Villarreal tied Sevilla 2-2. And Leganes and Granada drew 0-0. We got games going on today in La Liga with Real Madrid, who are three points behind Barcelona. Who, if they win, will be back on top in La Liga. Be tied on points, but Real Madrid will be on top of them. They'll be playing Mallorca which you would fully expect Real Madrid to win. Mallorca sit in 18th with 26 points on the season, one of the worst teams in the league, have allowed 50 goals this season, which is the most in La Liga this term. So you'd fully expect Real Madrid, who have scored, what, 57 goals with the second most in the league to take care of Mallorca in this game. Uh, Real Sociedad taking on Celta Vigo, and Deportivo Alves taking on Asasuna, And then tomorrow we have Ibar versus Valencia and Real Batiste versus Espanol. Now, looking over at Serie A, we have the standings right now. Lazio are yet to play a game, but Juventus are currently four points up on Lazio, which Lazio have a game in hand. They've only played 26 games to Juventus' 27. Juventus and their last time out beat Bologna 2 0. AC Milan also on Monday beat Lecce 4-1, and Fiorentina and Brescia drew 1-1. On Tuesday, we had Spall losing to Cagliari 1-0, Napoli beating Verona 2-0, Torino beating Udinese 1-0, and Parma pounding Genoa 4-1. We have games going on today with Inter taking on Sassuolo, Roma taking on Sampdoria, and Lazio taking on Atalanta. It's a very tough game for Lazio on the road, who need points, can't be affording the dropping points at this point in time. So if Juventus get a big enough lead, they're not going to lose it. It's Juventus. So Lazio, they need to beat Atalanta, which will be a tough, tough game. And then they got to turn around on Saturday. They'll take on Fiorentina. They just don't have a, a nice stretch of game. Fiorentina, though they're 13th in the league, still have some talented players and could be prone to an upset. Now that I said that, Lazio will probably beat Fiorentina 5-2 or something like that uh friday we have juventus back in action against Lecce, so we'll see how they do once lazio in atlanta is decided now i don't know we don't really need to talk about this but the Bundesliga, it's already done and dusted so i don't really need to talk about it, but their games their final game day of the season i believe is this right it's the final week of games in the Bundesliga. yes it is um saturday The Bundesliga will be over with Bayern Munich winning the league for the eighth consecutive year in a row. 79 points. You'd expect that just to go up again. They're playing Wolfsburg, who currently sits sixth. But Wolfsburg, are they really going to beat Bayern? Are they going to be challenging Bayern Munich? I don't know. I would love to see Bayern Munich get 100 goals in the season. They're four goals away. They can win four to three. I just want to see them get 100 goals in the season. Also on Saturday, which again, every team is playing, Borussia Dortmund's taking on Hoffenheim. Bayer Leverkusen taking on Mainz. Mönchengladbach is taking on Hertha Berlin. Wolfsburg, again, taking on Bayern Munich. Eintracht Frankfurt taking on Paderborn. Werder Bremen taking on Cullen. Freiburg versus Schalke. Augsburg versus RB Leipzig. and Union Berlin versus Fortuna Dusseldorf. Now, at the bottom of the league, we have Paderborn. 20 points. They're done. They're done. League's over. Werder Bremen needs some help. They're on 28 points. The best they can do is finish 16th. Which 16th is better than 17th because you're not guaranteed to go down if you're in 16th. There's still a chance, but you get in the relegation playoff. So you, there's a chance you beat that team that's coming up from the Bundesliga 2 and get a win and stay up in the league. But they need help. Fortuna Dusseldorf's taking on Union Berlin, who sit 12th, which is not great for them. And Wolfsburg, or not Wolfsburg, Bremen is taking on Köln who sit 14th. So two both these teams are playing beatable opponents. Thankfully for Werder Bremen who have lost their last two games, Fortuna Düsseldorf have drawn their last two, which is what they needed. Werder Bremen, they need to beat need to beat Köln and they need Union Berlin to beat Fortuna Düsseldorf. The thing that's sitting in their hand, that's sitting in their favor right now, Werder Bremen are at home. Now, I know this doesn't mean a lot because, as the stats show, in the Bundesliga, the away team has done better on the road, has done better winning than the home team has because there's no away crowd. There's no crowd to affect the away team. But you never know. Werder Bremen at home against Colin verduner Düsseldorf on the road against Union Berlin. Man, I hope Werder Bremen stay up. They got Josh Sargent on the team. I'd like to see him stay up in the Bundesliga. I don't know where he'd go. It, maybe he goes to Wolfsburg, joins John Brooks, or Schalke, and go, joins um, Weston McKinney. I don't know if he'll go to RB Leipzig and join Tyler Adams, but Timo Werner's leaving, so there might be a chance there. But yeah, I just hope Verte Bremen stay up. They got a nice little history in the Bundesliga. Fortuna Dulzdorf, I know, has Zach Steffen on it, but he's been injured, I believe, so I don't really, I just want, for, I want, I would rather have Wolfsburg stay up, Because that's not Zach Steffen's team. He's on loan. So it's not like I'm relegating Zach Steffen. Like he's damned to the second Bundesliga. I just want Verde Brevin to stay up. That's the hope. That is the ultimate hope. And with that being said, let's just take a quick break here on the Logan Blackman show. Finally, get talking about baseball after this long break talking about NASCAR and going over scores from around the world in soccer and all that stuff. So let's take a quick break. We'll be back here on the Logan Blackman Show right after this. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman Show. It's a beautiful day outside, and I hope you're having a beautiful day inside. If you're inside or if you're outside, I don't know. Just have a beautiful day. I'm, of course, your host, Logan Blackman. We are here today to talk about sports as the logan blackman show does talks about sports all the time so yeah let's get right into talking about some sports because i want to and that's kind of the whole point of the show if it wasn't the point of the show i don't know what the point of the show would be we could make something new about the show we could get um do a candy show or something like that or um a dog show i got two nice dogs here i could tell you about them, have them go about their days and tell you what they do. Cause right now I'm guessing bears sitting in his chair, just being fat and lazy and randomly barking at things. That's just what he does. He was barking at some this morning and I go downstairs. He was barking at, he's laying in his chair. Dude is just laying down in his chair, barking like his bark. I get is pretty scary, I guess. If you don't know Bear, then it's pretty scary bird. You're like, ah, oh, it's a big dog. Oh, I don't want to mess with that house. But if you know Bear, you look at him right now and go, this is the scary dog that we're talking about? He's barking from a chair. <laughs> he is getting fat and old. He's only four, but geez, he's getting fat and old. And he's, only, he's turning five in a couple months. So maybe it's, I think Poppy, our eight month old dog, is just accelerated his age an insane amount, because he uh, he does not move from his couch or chair, and I'm saying his couch and his chair, because he pretty much occupies the basement, and it's kind of is his couch and his chair, but now he's gone over the chair, because that's where Poppy likes to sit, so Bear likes to take the chair, so Poppy can't sit downstairs, so see, that's an example of what the show could be if we did the dog show where I just roast the crap out of my dogs, because they're both very stupid, and they just, they like people, Bear just does his, shows his love and affection a little bit harder than Poppy does, and you can get hurt (laughs) if you get too close to me, like, if you lean down to Pet Bear, he'll lift his head up really fast, and smash you right in the face, uh, but yeah, we have a lot of great stuff to talk about, of course, we got baseball to talk about, as we open up the show, baseball is back all of the sports all the major sports anyways in america will be coming back at some point in july with the mls being the first one on july 8th the mls will be returning i'm excited for the mls returning i don't know if i'm a huge fan of the whole structure thing they're doing but i'm excited i'm very excited for it it's going to be fun i'm just excited for sports to be back I know listening audiences might be going, oh, well, you just, you do a radio show, Logan. Good for you. Well, if you did not know, it's hard coming up with topics when there's nothing to talk about. So you got to create your own topics. So that's why we did the the yay or nay game. We did start bench, cut, Starlock pit the other day. Uh, We've done top five dumbest we've done friday fun day we've done stay woke wednesday which is today which we'll get to towards the end of the show but yeah there's just a l- we've had to come up with new segments and stuff to talk about and it's been fun test your creative abilities a little bit and you also gotta steal an idea every once in a while Mike, we always give credit for it so at least <laughs> most of the time i guess Sometimes it's harder to come up with topics. Like, there's some days I will sit down where I am right now in my comfy comfy rocking chair at my table in my office, and I just get frustrated because I can't think of anything to talk about. That has happened more times than I would be proud of. And then you have the random times where the audio recorder just like, "Ah, frig off, Logan. You're not recording today. Give me the double burden just backpedaling away it's not very fun there's time it's frustrating this isn't that easy as it as it sounds it's very frustrating but that's why we do it it's not supposed to be easy i mean it is pretty easy at least for me some people might struggle with this but you could say about a lot of things i don't know we got a lot we got some stuff to talk about today so let's just get right into talking about baseball there will be a season that's all we need to care that's all we need to know There will be a baseball season. I think the fact that Manfred threatened to take out the expanded playoffs and the universal DH kind of sped up the process here because those are two things that the owners and players have both been wanting for a few years now. And I don't know how the expanded playoffs work, but I've got an idea of how the universal DH work. NL will start using the DH, which will benefit quite a bit of teams in the NL. Now teams like the Diamondbacks, who got some of the best hitting pitchers in baseball, like Zach Greinke and Madison Bumgarner, they're gonna be a little upset by that. It's like, man, we got good we got hit pitchers that can hit. Philly's got Jake Arrieta who loves to hit. Jake Arrieta hit a home run off Madison Bumgarner in the playoffs. You got pitchers that like to hit, and then you got pitchers like I don't know, you Darvish and John Lester. I mean, John Lester, whatever he pops up, he. You pop up with a random double, and it's like the greatest thing of all time. But teams like that—they don't have pitchers that can really hit the ball very well. They're thanking their lucky stars this actually happened. Which I think it's a step forward. This will definitely make baseball more exciting. I mean, there's a lot of people that like watching the pitchers swing the bat, because there's all—it's not, there's not a lot better than seeing that random time where that pitcher connects with the ball, connects with the ball. It gets a home run or a double or something it is the most exciting thing in the baseball part like everybody's laughing it's like when a like when you go for on fourth down and the punter completes a completes a pass like it's one of the greatest things ever the rams do it more than anybody in the nfl the seahawks have started to go for on fourth down a lot it's just awesome it's just those little things that make it awesome like when a kicker tackles somebody it's just great (laughs) when a center makes a three like, all these things are just little things that a lot of people love that really don't affect the sport they're taking out. I mean, base football and basketball, you can't physically take out center shooting threes and punters throwing for first downs, kickers tackling people. But that's what kind of the pitcher batting situation is. Like, it's not really great because more often than not, they're going to swing and the miss or they're going to sacrifice bunt. Not very exciting but sometimes when they do come up with those random doubles or those rbis it's awesome and hilarious but it makes total sense why they would do this because again it's going to make baseball more exciting because you just it's all offense now pitchers don't need to work on offense which they don't really anyways some pitchers do like like the aforementioned madison gumgarner works on offense swings the butt a lot uh, adam wainwright for the cardinals likes to hit the ball every once in a while and he got those traditionalists that just don't want the d they don't want the dh at all those are extreme traditionalists some are fine with the dh but don't want the dh in the nl because it takes out the integrity of the game i am one all for the dh i think the dh is awesome universal dh because now the cubs can just have kyle schwarber's at forever dh which i'm perfectly cool with and get an outfielder or get a third baseman with Brian to the outfield like that's ideal I've been saying that for months get Brian to the outfield get a third get Arenado which the trade deadline as we said will be August 31st so there's always that chance the Cubs get Nolan Arenado hopefully it's not hopefully Ed Howard's not involved in this but yeah that'd be the ideal situation now Kyle Schwarber it's just going to be a DH. Like you see the people like David Ortiz or the later career Jorge Posada, who's just a DH. Raul Ibanez, to a certain extent, was just a DH towards the end of his career. Manny Ramirez, towards the end of his career. And sometimes in Boston, not very often, he was in the outfield because of David Ortiz being DH. Prince Fielder was a DH. Too fat to play first base. Albert Pools is a DH you see how much this has expanded these guys careers like albert pools if he still played in the nl i think he'd be retired by now because he can't move to play first base even though he's going to have to because Shohei otani is going to be fully healthy this year so he's going to be the dh for the angels but dh just makes it exciting It opens up another roster spot so like in the nl where you got this guy set in at left field like kyle schwarber now you can go out and get a left fielder and get schwarber who's not a natural left fielder yes he can play left field yes he makes some good plays but he's also very prone to the odd mistake because he's not a natural he's a catcher who is playing in the outfield because that was the spot he could fit in because they can't not keep his bat on the bench he smashes 40 home runs a season and we're in that time the MLB now where average isn't that great anymore like cool you hit for average but we need excitement dingers so that's why you'll see careers of like Kyle Schwarber and um Joey Gallo and Pete Alonso now, where their careers will be like, oh my god, I love this guy. Which I love Kyle Schwarber. Very frustrating at times, but I love Kyle Schwarber. But with the Universal DH here, I thought it'd be nice. To look at the top five teams that this will benefit. Now, of course, this is just NL teams. Or benefit that it will it'll not, maybe help them benefit, help them, uh, just make them better. I don't know. Or just makes them even scarier. Start off at the bottom, uh, the Washington nationals, uh, they've got a fair bit amount of first baseman on their team or people that can play first base. Let's say that you got the likes of Ryan Zimmerman. You got the likes of Howie Kendricks, who is more of a utility player than anything, but he can't, he can play first base. And then you got Eric Thames in free agency, or Trey, yeah, I think free agency from Milwaukee. You guys Rubel Cabrera there as well, who's not gonna be playing as much because of the likes of Carter Kaiboom taking third base. Trey Turner, Starling Cash are coming over to free agency from Miami. They Nationals and their pitchers aren't the greatest hitters. Not bad hitters, but not the greatest hitters. And I think this will just help them with their bats, Get their pitchers just solely focus on pitching which is again 90% of pitchers do that anyways then we've got number four the Chicago Cubs Chicago Cubs again as we said Kyle Schwarber a forever DH is perfect it's just it's just um perfect he's not a natural outfielder he knows that but he lost a lot of weight so he could stay in the outfield which credit to, where credit's due Kyle Schwarber I love you for that Cause not a lot of people are that committed to it but now for the time being you would expect the likes of ian Hatt to play left field you expect maybe albert amora who's more well they'll probably put more in center in the move have to left field souza can play there wilson contreras can play there kyle Schwarber can still go back there bryant can play there as we've said a lot i think bryant's a more natural outfielder which is what their plan was when they drafted him anyways to be an outfielder get nailed there auto, chicago if you get Nolan Arenado, play him at third base, you have the best defensive left side of the infield in the majors by far. Nolan Arenado and Javi Baez. Because last year, Javi Baez statistically is the best defensive shortstop in the major leagues. Nolan Arenado has gold glove after gold glove to his name. Insane defensive output between those two. And then you eventually, not this year obviously, but Ed Howard comes up. And then you got Ed Howard in there as well, who's got – a very fast glove is nicknamed Silk because of how smooth he does everything. I'm liking this universal DH for the Cubs, but I don't know if it helps them the most because they don't have a lot of depth where that position. Where Schwarber will be playing DH, their depth behind Schwarber in left field is not necessarily the greatest. As we said, Hap Almora Souza. I mean, they're good players. Hap, I think. Will be a lot better this year than he was last year who showed signs of being really good again latter the latter parts of last season but do we trust them for the everyday role in left field not currently at least for me that's the main reason why they're only number four i had them at number three but i moved them down next one on the list is the philadelphia phillies philadelphia phillies got a lot of bats in their rotation jay bruce you would expect him to slot in as the dh you got bryce harper there as well reese hoskins is there as well like you got a lot of people you could throw at dh for the philadelphia phillies because they got a lot of good players on this team now their pitchers are starting to look nice you got zach wheeler this year in the offseason so that's a nice little addition to round out your starting rotation then you're gonna have alex bond come up bomb bond bomb i can't remember come up in a little bit to play third, you can play, maybe play him at DH a little bit to get him eased into the MLB, yeah, they got a lot of people that can play DH, and the Phillies came fourth in a very solid division last year, it's not their fault, they did underperform a lot last year, but yeah, I think that could definitely help, I also, um, actually, we'll give honorable mentions later once we get to number one, Uh, number two, the New York Mets, Pete Alonso playing DH, that's just, you got Fat Adams there as well. You got Pete Alonzo, Fat Adams, Dominic Smith. Like, all of those guys can play DH. Just choose your, pick your poison on the DH spot for them. You still got Jed Lowry on the roster, which is, I kind of forgot he was on the roster. But those three at first could all play DH. And they could all smack the crap out of the baseball. Now, Dominic Smith, uh, he's pretty good. He's all right. Maybe needs a little more time in the minors. He keeps he jumps up and down all the time for the minors to the majors. And then you got Fat Adams, who all he does is hit home runs. She can't do anything else. He's too fat to do anything else. And then Pete Alonzo, like. You got options there at DH. Uh, honorable mention, keep it in that division. The Atlanta Braves, I think, are one you can mention in the honorable mentions chart. Because so they got some good bats on the team. They got some young pitchers in there as well who don't really like to hit the baseball. Other honorable mentions, Cincinnati Reds made some big moves in the offseason. The Padres are another team you can mention in here. Maybe the Diamondbacks as well. But the team we're going to mention is the number one team in baseball that this will benefit. That is the Los Angeles Dodgers. Los Angeles Dodgers are the best team in the NL already. The fact that the DH is there in the NL makes them even scarier. They they've got depth on depth on this roster. Like, oh, you wanna play this guy at first? Well, Max Muncy'll play DH. Gavin Lux can play DH. Justin Turner can play DH. Corey Sager can play DH. Just Jock Peterson can play DH. Corey Sager can, or Corey Peter yeah, Cody Bellinger could play DH and Mookie Betts can play DH. So you got depth. Like, oh, you want to play one of those guys in the outfield at DH? Oh, well, AJ pollock can slot in there. Chris Taylor can slot in there kike hernandez can slot in there you want to play max muncie dh well bellinger who is more a natural is more of an outfielder now than anything could slot in there matt Beatty could slot in there jock peterson could even slot in there and kike hernandez could slot in there austin barnes to a certain extent could slot in there will smith could either could too they got so many options they're already the best team in base in the NL, by far, not even really a competition. It's not like the NL, the AL, where you got a lot of teams that are going to be good, like the Yankees, Twins, Astros, Rays, all these teams will be up there and wins, but the Dodgers are just in the, a, a league of their own baseball movie. Go watch that. It's a really good movie. In regards to this, DH will only make them better. Like, if you look at, I found this on Twitter last night, it was Cody Bellinger's first the his stats the first 60 games of the season last year Cody Bellinger at 370 had 20 home runs 54 RBIs had an on-base percentage of 456 and an OPS of 1.177 like that's his first 60 games for Cody Bellinger last year now is he gonna replicate that this year I don't know that's not a very easy feat to do but man that this just helped the Dodgers even more it's sad because <laughs> the Dodgers have so many people on their roster, so many talented players on their roster. It only helped; it helped them more, which is the it's the one downside of the universal DH, which makes me sad because I don't want the Dodgers to be the best team in the NL. It needs to be the Cubs. But other than the 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 DH thing about coming to the MLB uh the extra innings will start this is about shortening the time of baseball because a lot of times baseball especially it goes to the extra innings can take a very long time and they've been doing this down in the minors for the past few seasons extra innings games will start with a runner on second base they were doing that when i was working at the i-cubs two years ago and now it's up to the majors which they they test out everything in the minor leagues before they bring up the majors the pitch clock i don't think that's going to happen because the nobody really honors that in the minor leagues anyways so i don't really think that's going to happen but that's something that's moving up to the majors which i think is cool and also with the 60 game regular season we talked about this a little bit earlier teams will play 40 games within the division and then they'll play 20 interleague games with their geographical opponents like the nl central will play the al central the nl west al west al east nl east which is awesome because in the NL West versus AOS matchup, you got the Los Angeles Dodgers versus arguably their most hated rivals to this point, the Houston Astros. Good Lord. We are going to see some bruises in that series. No way. There's not going to be any bruises in there. That's going to be awesome. That's going to be an amazing series. Amazing series. So yeah, 40 games within the division and then 20 games outside the division, but in your geographical home. So it's kind of like what they were talking about earlier about putting them in like their own division. Like this is the, the central league, the Western league, the Eastern league. But then he had a lot of different teams that weren't in their division. So it's just kind of weird, but we're here and baseball is back. So with that being said, let's look at our predictions or our shortened season we don't have record wise but this is just the league standing so we go through all the divisions of baseball predict who's going to finish top bottom middle second third fourth whatever so we'll start at the bottom at the AL East that's the Baltimore Orioles uh the Baltimore Orioles are uh how do I put this lightly arguably the worst team in baseball last year they finished with a record of 54 and 108 they are 49 games back of the New York Yankees the only team worse than them in baseball last year was the Detroit Tigers. They're going to be a stiff contest, but I think the Orioles can hold their own and get back to the worst record in baseball. I think they can do it. I think they can do it. In regards to runs given up last year, they gave up the most in the league with a 981 runs. They had a minus 252 run differential. They didn't get better this offseason. Anything, they got worse. They're just not a good team. Orioles suck. Till Adley Rauschman gets called up, they don't really have a hope in the world. And Adley's not going to save them. He's just going to be a nice little beacon of hope for their roster, which is struggling still to this point. Uh, fourth in the division, I put the Toronto Blue Jays. I think they'll be better than 67 and 95 last year, than they were last, which is the record last year. But I don't think they have the talent yet to pass up the top three teams of the division which i think are very predictable and where you put them i think they got an insane amount of talent on their roster with la guerrero biggio Bo Bichette. like they got talent on their roster and in a few years they might be one of the better teams in baseball if not one of the best teams in baseball they got hyunjin ryu this offseason from the los angeles dodgers they got travis shaw from the milwaukee brewers they're gonna be a good team i'm not saying they're gonna be pushing for playoff spots but i think they can get above 70 wins this year i think that's a fair shout what whoa okay they can't finish with 70 wins because they're only playing 60 games so they cannot get 70 wins so what i said about the orioles i was just thinking in the fact that they they can't be worse than 54 wins but no they can't they can easily be worse because they can finish with 10 wins on the season, go 10 and 50. Which would be very funny. I don't think any team will do that, but it's it's not bad of a shout. It's not that bad. It's not a terrible shout. But yeah, there's no way they'll finish above 67 wins this year. But they could be pushing for a playoff spot. Or no, no 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 They could surprise some people, do better win percentage-wise than what they did last year. They had a 14 41.4 win percentage last year. I think they can do better than that this year that's how we're gonna base this off of uh number three the Boston Red Sox lost Alex or um David Price who had a very down year last year and Mookie Betts to the Los Angeles Dodgers they got Alex Verdugo JD Martin like all their good players are still there uh Ben Intendi's still there JD Martinez is still there Zader Bogarts is still there Raphael Devers is still there like they still got their their good players and Alex Verdugo's a lot got a lot of potential in the outfield. I don't know if he'll be able to replace Mookie Betts, but he's a good player. Not a bad player by any stretch of the imagination. But I don't think they have the talent to move into the top two spots. Number two, the Tampa Bay Rays. Barely finishing below the New York Yankees in the division. Barely. Last year, they finished seven games behind him. I think he'll be closer than that this year. I think it was go like two games, two or three games. These guys are talented they got the best farm system in baseball if not the not if not the best they have one of the best in all of baseball down in tampa thankfully they're not doing the whole montreal things that's that that was gonna be good that was gonna be terrible but they're talented they got a lot of good players on this team they won 96 games last year they're obviously not going to get to that this year but they will be up there with one of the best teams in baseball they might i think i put them in a the top five team in baseball if i remember correctly did I put him in top five or did I put him in top three? I put him up fairly high in my baseball power rankings that I did a few weeks ago. Or a month ago. Gee, time's been flying. I don't know. I can't keep track of time. But the number one team in the division, obviously, is the New York Yankees. Garrett Cole is the biggest free agent signing this offseason. They're going to be fully healthy. They won 103 games last year with ba- with an incredibly depleted roster. Judge was out for extended periods of time. Giancarlo Stan was out for extended periods of time. Gary Sanchez was out for extended periods of time. And yet they still dominate because he had like the DJ LeMayhew balling out last year. Gleyber Torres had a great year last year. I fully expect the Yankees to be right up there as the best team in the ba- in baseball. One of the best, if not the best team in baseball this year. They're so talented. And hopefully, for their sake and their fans' sake, which I could care less about the Yankees, but for their fans' sake, let's hope they stay fully healthy. I'm not one of those people that hates the Yankees because, oh, they win all the time and have the most World Series. No, I could care less. They've never done anything to me in my lifetime. I have never once gone, ugh, I hate the Yankees. They've never done anything to me. I don't care. They've never. Every time they played the Cubs, they beat them, yeah, but the Cubs sucked, so I didn't really care. If they beat us in consecutive World Series, then yeah, go ahead. You. Ah, girl, I hate you. But I've never really had a dislike for the Yankees. I never really actually cared about the Yankees. I liked Robinson Cano. I still kind of like Robinson Cano. I liked Derek Jeter. I liked Jorge Posada, Mariano Rivera, CeCe Sabathia. Like, I've never had a. Ugh, hatred for them. Like, a lot of people do. It doesn't make sense to me. Just because they win, you hate them. That's a. a little weird like I hate doing the Patriots and Dallin Catholic because yeah they might win all the time but because they've affected me on a personal level (laughs) I don't hate Golden State at all I could care less about the Golden State Warriors I could care less about the Yankees they never did anything to me they're just gone and win I don't care I don't hate Alabama at all I I appreciate Alabama football I love watching Clemson football they've never done anything to me i don't care if they win good on you oh he wants someone else to win well it's not your team winning so why do you care if they win they're not beating your team oh he wants someone else to win why stop them then <laughs> get tell your team to get better i don't know but yeah yankees will win the division so recap al east yankees rays red sox blue jays orioles exact same standings that they were last year woo really creative stuff there logan I promise the AL Central is different. Starting at the bottom, uh, the Detroit Tigers. They were the worst team in baseball last year. They won 47 games. They were the only team in the major leagues to score less than 600 runs. They had the worst run differential in baseball, the minus 333. They lost 114 games. They had a win percentage of 29.2. Like, they're going to be improved so it can't get worse than that. <laughs> and we're talking about a 162-game season. They can't get worse than that. I can't believe their win. I don't think their win percentage will be below a three this year. I don't think that will happen. (laughs) Um, But they're going to be last. Royals, they'll be right there as well. But I think they'll be helped by the fact that Salvador Perez is up. See how long Salvador Perez and Whit Merrifield and Mondesi are on the Royals this season. I don't think those three will be on this team for the entire season. I'm willing to hedge bets that all three of them will be traded at some points this season. They're just too good. Like, you look at their roster, Salvador Perez is way too good for this team. Mondesi is way too good for this team. And Whit Merrifield is way too good for this team. You can even go with Jorge Soler is too good for this team. Like, they're – the Royals aren't going to be good this year. They're just not. Their pitching's not good, but they've got three good players that could maybe bump their win total up. It's not like the Angels where they've only had Mike Trout and they've sucked. The Royals at least got three good players – That will not see the end of the season, but you know what? Hopefully they find good homes. Hopefully Whit Merrifield comes to Chicago, gets traded to Chicago. I would love to see that. But yeah, the Royals will be right there again. Third, shocker, the Cleveland Indians coming in third. They finished with 93 wins last year, had a run differential of plus 112, but I'm going to have them coming in third. I don't know if Francisco Lindor finished the season with the Cleveland Indians hopefully it's a long shot but Francisco Lindor and Javier Baez are really good friends so maybe he comes to Chicago now they got some decent players on their team like friend Mel Reyes came over from San Diego last year Roberto Perez I believe is the best defensive catcher in baseball according to MLB I don't know I could be wrong but yeah uh third place I think I don't think they'll be far off in third place but I think they'll finish third place nonetheless Second is the Chicago White Sox. The Chicago White Sox are arguably the most improved team in baseball. I'll put them up there with the Cincinnati Reds as the most improved teams in baseball. They have an insane amount of talent on the roster. Yasmani Grandal is a great addition. Yes, James McCann was good last year, but good only gets you so far. We need one of the best catchers in baseball and Yasmani Grandal at least in the NL. I'm not going to say best catcher, one of the best catchers in the entire league. He's one of the best catchers in the NL. We'll give him that. Then you got Jose Abreu. You got Yohan Mancata, and Tim Anderson. the arguably the most, uh, potential-wise, out of the left side of the infield. They're the best in baseball. If we're just going off potential, Tim Anderson is one of the... Those two are stars in the MLB. Especially Tim Anderson. Good lord. Those two are stars. And they're going to help the White Sox a lot. Former Chicago Cub... Eloy Jimenez Sally's going to help the White Sox a lot as well thanks for Jose Quintana Luis Robert one of the best uh prospects in all of baseball one of the favorites to win rookie of the year we'll go through my award winners later in the show then they got Nomar Mazzara this offseason as well from Texas they got Edwin Encarnacion they got Dallas Keuchel this offseason Lucas Giolito proved to be an actual ace in the MLB like they're they're gonna be talent. That's a talented team. And that pisses me off to say that. Because I hate the White Sox. The White Sox are one of I loathe the White Sox. I loathe the Cardinals. I loathe the Reds. And I loathe the White Sox. But I can't ignore their talent. They've got too much of it. I think they go on to finish second in the division. And the Twins, they're still the best team in this division. They got Josh Donaldson this offseason. They're they're gonna be the best. They scored 939 runs last year. They're gonna be up there again. They won fifty-five games on the road last year. Fifty-five games on the road. Easily the best record in baseball. If they can continue winning on the road like they did last year, they will easily win the division. They won the division by eight games last year. I think they could win it around that again this year with only a 60-game season. I the twins are very good team. And Rocco Baldelli is one of the best managers in all baseball finally the AL West, uh, Seattle Mariners finished last, not a lot, okay, sick, yeah, you're, there's not a lot of prizes for guessing to finish last in this division, that Seattle Mariners are easily the worst team in the division, uh, the Los Angeles Angels finished fourth in the division last year, I'm going to substitute them with the Texas Rangers, yes, I know, they've got, they got some talent in their roster, the Rangers do, they got our new stadium this year as well, nice little closable roof or the or closable roof retractable roof yeah Corey kluber yeah they got robinson trino's back that's about it uh the rest of their roster minus joey gallo is not incredibly like wow they got todd frazier sinchu chu is still there again lost no armazara he's one of their better hitters last year has been for the past few seasons yeah i Rangers gonna be they're gonna be terrible, but they're not gonna be good either. Uh third place, the Angels. Got Anthony Rendon. They have no excuses not to finish at least third in this division. It's not an terribly strong division. It's a decent division at best, really. You got just two good teams like all the other divisions of baseball. The bottom two are not that good, have some talent, but not that good. The Angels have too much talent not to finish third. They might even be they could even go second but i think the team i have in seconds just a little bit better than them show you is going to be fully back and healthy you got anthony rendon this offseason one of the biggest free agent targets this offseason justin upton healthy back brian goodwin's gonna be there as well they're just gonna be they got joe madden as a manager now like they're gonna be up there as one of the best teams in baseball i refuse to believe they will not be one of the better teams in baseball. And with the expanded playoffs, I think they could even squeak into the playoffs, if I'm being honest. Uh, number two in the division, uh, the Oakland Athletics. The A's had a great season last year. Jesus Lazardo is gonna come up, one of the top their top prospect this year. Gonna come up there. Mania, You'd hope for him to be back and fully healthy for him. They got the Matt Brothers, Matt Olson, Matt Chapman, Marcus Simeon was Third place in the in the American League uh MVP race last year. Ro- Ramon Luriano, one of the best young center fielders in baseball. Chris Davis, one of the most consistent hitters in baseball. Not really like good consistent, but it's I think it, there's three years in a row. I gotta click on his profile. I think there's like three years in a row where he hit the exact same batting average. Or something like that. Or is that? Yeah. Oh no, four years in a row one, two, three, yeah, four, 247, 247, 247, 247, like, and that's not consistency, I don't know what is. it is, and ever since he's come to Oakland, he had 247, three years, and he had over 40 run- home runs, each of those four years, 42, 43, 48, last year, a little bit of a down year, 23 home runs, about 220, but, yeah, I think, The A's will be really good again. I I refuse to believe they won't be. Matt Chapman, one of the best third basemen in all of baseball. Marcus Simeon, one of the best shortstops in the AL. And after last year, you could probably say the entire league too. But yeah, I'm gonna go with the A's finishing second, with the Astros finishing first. It's not really like what the Astros won the division. They're the best team in the division. I don't. They may have cheated last year, but in the few years past, but they're still the most talented team in the division. I'm not going to just completely wipe them off the face of the earth because that they still got talent. Their talent was made. It was made easier for their talent to succeed with the sign stealing stuff, but they're still a very talented team. I can't ignore the Houston Astros. And then now moving on to the national league. So wait, let's go over the AL again. AL East Yankees, Rays, Red Sox, Blue Jays, Orioles, central twins, White Sox, Indians, Royals, Tigers, West Astros, A's, Angels, Rangers, Mariners. So now in the National League in the National League East, starting at the bottom, no get ga- no prizes for guessing who's coming at the bottom. It's the Mariners or the Marlins, Mariners. Well, it's the same with the Mariners, I guess. Uh the AL, the NL East arguably is the most complete division in baseball. Arguably. There's so much talent up and down the top 4 teams in baseball in this division. I'm sorry Marlins, you're just finishing last. I don't really need to explain why. But, they're so talented in this division. You got the team that just won the World Series. You got the team with arguably the most talent on their roster. Young talent on their roster in baseball. You got the reigning National League Rookie of the Year. You got one of the biggest stars in baseball one team. Like, there's so much talent here. So, in fourth place, it's hard for me to rank this division. But, fourth place, I'm going with the Phillies. Uh, Compared to the other four teams in the division. The other three. The Phillies... Sadly, are the worst. Yes, they got Joe Girardi in as a manager. Yes, they got dd Gregorius there at shortstop. Move Gene Segura to third. Third, their their infield has been a problem point for the past few seasons, but they're starting to build it up a little bit. J.T. Realmuto, arguably the best catcher in the National League. Bryce Harper, overrated but still a good player nonetheless. Reese Hoskins will probably be the DH. Can smash dingers like crazy. Angel mccutcheon's gonna be back and fully healthy. Yeah. Phillies will be right up there, but I think fourth is in their future for this division. Number three, this one's tough. This one's very tough because these two teams both have great pitching. But one of them has a not great bullpen, at least last year. It started to improve towards the end of last season. But it's tough. It's very, very tough. Do I want to do it? Do I want to? You know what? Let's go out on a limb here third place washington nationals yes they won the, the world series last year they lost anthony rendon this past offseason and didn't really do a lot to improve their roster to say another roster they won a world series they don't really need to improve a roster but it didn't get better i don't like eric thames i don't think he's that good Starlin castro we'll see how he does in washington carter Kaiboom, a very talented prospect gonna be one of their better players this year. He's gonna start the season at third base it looks like they still got Max Scherzer Strasburg Corbin Anibal Sanchez yeah uh it's close I might change it I might put the Mets at third but the Mets they might not have Noah Syndergaard this season but they've got some great players on their roster Pete Alonso, Jeff McNeil's on the roster Jacob DeGrom the best pitcher in baseball Marcus Struman, who a lot of people think could challenge Jabe DeGrom for the Cy Young this year. Their bullpen just needs to improve. But you know what? No, I'm going to stay with the Mets third. I think they finished like a game worse than the Nationals. The Nationals finished second. I losing Syndergaard for a full season is going to suck, but they might have Jonas Cespedes back, which will be huge for them. She had the likes of J.D. JD Davis kick it up a notch last year, Rob to help he kick it up a notch. Wilson Ramos, same thing. Edwin Diaz, same thing. They said some disappointing players last year, but Pete Alonzo, Jeff McNeil, they smashed in runs last year. Like, crazy. Those two are so talented. And I think once J.D. Uh, uh, Jonas Cespedes comes back and fully healthy, I think they can be right up there. I think they'll finish, like, a game worse than the Nationals, if that. If that. But it'll be it'll be battle for number two, because I think the Braves... Have this division on lock. I think the Braves are the best team in the division. They've got some great young pitchers. They got some of the best young talent in baseball. Looks at Dansby Swanson, Osby Albies, uh, Ronald Acuna, Austin Riley is another one. Like, and they got Mar- Marcelo Zuna in the offseason. They got so many good players on this team. Travis Day coming over from the Mets, trying to be a regular starter in the National League again. Freddie Freeman, we didn't even mention him. There's so many good players on the Braves. I think they've got this division on lockdown. And even with that, their farm system has still got some very good players in it as well. The Braves will be right up there. I think I put them in the top three of best teams of baseball. At least top five best teams of baseball. Their roster is so... I might have put them outside the top five. Or top three. I think my... If I remember right, I think I put the Dodgers, Yankees, Astros... Rays, Braves, or Braves, Rays. One of those two. I think that's how my top five went. But the Braves win this same exact standings last year i think will be very close between all of those at least the top four teams and yeah playing against the yankees rays blue jays red Sox, and orioles won't be easy either but i think the braves will win this division NO central last place the Pittsburgh pirates like there's not really a lot of explaining to do there like a lot of these divisions the, there's not a lot of explaining to do for the last place team like the orioles tigers mariners marlins and the pirates like there's not a lot to explain to do why this team will finish last they suck they're just terrible team they're terrible they're gonna finish last they just straight up blow chunks like that's saying it nicely they suck so they'll come in last fourth place though we got a little bit of controversy i think fourth place will be the milwaukee brewers the milwaukee brewers did not do anything to really improve their roster from the season before. They got a, a few young players in there like Kesson Huria. They've got Luis uh, Luis Urias coming over from the San Diego Padres, but their rosters is not. Yeah. You got Christian Yelich. Yeah. You got Lorenzo Cain, but what else? Josh Hader sucked last year for his standard. You got smoke coming over from Toronto. You got Eric Sogard, Jed Giorco, Brock Holt. There's nothing in here that screams. Yes. We're going to be challenging for a division. I don't know how good they're going to be. they, lost good players and didn't really replace them I don't know their rosters is weird to me I think they finished fourth then you got number three the St. Louis Cardinals now I think they can finish second because their pitching spearheaded by Jack Flaherty is very good but their roster is not like their batting their outfield especially is not great Dylan Carlson young player Harrison Bader another young player very fast but doesn't really do anything else and Dexter Fowler who's kind of struggled ever since leaving Chicago their midfield their infield pretty good Colton Wong Paul DeYoung, Tommy Edmund Paul Goldschmidt and aging rapidly Yadier Molina I don't know I think their pitching is very good they might finish second I might give them second because they're right now in second place I have the Cincinnati Reds the Cincinnati Reds as we said like the White Sox are the most improved teams in baseball they're so they got a lot of good players on this team. Luis Castillo, Sonny Gray, Trevor Bauer. Their pitching rotation has gotten a lot better. Then you got the likes of right? Mike Mustakas coming over free agency. Nicholas Castellano's coming over free agency. Shogo Akiyama coming over from Japan. One of the best Japanese players to come over. Eugenio Suarez is gonna be back this year. Just hey, I think he hit 49 home runs last year. Insane amount of home runs. The Reds, they're gonna be good. They're gonna be a good team. They might – it's going to be a battle between them and the uh, Cardinals. I almost said Red Sox. Them and the Cardinals for that second-place spot. I think the Cubs, though they have some weird roster spots this year, I think they're still the best team in the division. Still. I think they're the best team in the division. I think the Cubs got a very nice roster. Now it's got a lot of holes. They didn't really make any moves in free agency except for Jason Kipnis and Steven Souza. But I think Craig Kimbrell is going to be back to his old self. I think the second base will get sorted out eventually with Nico Horner and Jason Kipnis kind of rotating that. Baez being healthy because once Baez got hurt last year, the Cubs really couldn't do anything. They didn't do anything once Baez left. It sucked. Once he's back and fully healthy, which I think he is at this point, the Cubs will be awesome with Chris Bryant leading off. I think that's a brilliant stroke by new manager David Ross. Yes, I said new manager, but I don't think that will affect him that much. I think the Cubs win the division and i think it'll be a so tough battle for second place maybe the reds i gave a lot of hype to the phillies last year maybe the reds are the same thing maybe i'm overhyping the reds maybe everybody's overhyping the reds but i think the division will finish cubs reds cardinals brewers pirates and the cardinals could push the reds for that second place spot but i think it's the cubs division to ultimately lose going over to the nl west um this is probably the easiest division in baseball to predict. Uh, Giants last. Rockies second to last. Then we got a little battle between the Diamondbacks and Padres. So the Padres will be much improved. They're one of the best young teams in baseball. The Diamondbacks made some they made a couple nice moves. Got Madison Bumgarner. Got Starling Marte at center field. This offseason from the Pirates. Basically getting from nothing. Um, then you got the likes of Cattell Marte who balled out last year. I don't know. It'll be a close battle between the Padres and the Diamondbacks. I'm going to give the edge to the Diamondbacks. Padres coming in third. And the Dodgers obviously winning the division. The Dodgers have the most stacked roster in baseball on paper. They're the best roster. They're the best team in baseball on paper. With all the moves they made this offseason, there's no reason they shouldn't be winning this division, especially without batted. It it's not a great division. It's arguably the weakest division in baseball. I'll say that in the Central. Because the Central and the AL, uh, you got the Royals and the Tigers, who are two of the worst teams in baseball. But the NL West, you got the Giants and the Rockies. Giants are gonna be bad; they're gonna be very bad this year. They're gonna come in last easily. Rockies, their pitching still sucks. I think they trade Nolan Arenado at some point throughout the season, and then they've but they still got talent on their roster with Dahl, Trevor Story still there, uh, Charlie Blackman. Whenever he decides I want to play like my old self again, they're still there. But. No, Arenado has to be gone at some point throughout the season. Padres, I love their roster. I love Fernando Tatis. I really like Manny Machado. I think a lot was expected of him because obviously with the big contract, a bit, what, expectations increase obviously when a player signs one of the biggest contracts in Major League Baseball history. But he's going to be up there. Trent Grisham coming over from Milwaukee, going to play in center field. Crunch, Franchi Cordero still there. Tommy Pham came over from Tampa Bay. Jerkson and profar came this offseason brian dozier came over francisco mejia is going to start every day at catcher they could really challenge the diamondbacks i think the diamondbacks pitching is better by a little bit but i think it'd be very close between the padres and the diamondbacks for that second spot but the dodgers they're going to win the division i mean there's not really a lot of thinking that goes into that one so with that being said let's look back at our predictions for the divisions for the nl for the nl east we go braves um uh, Mets Nats Phillies Marlins NL Central Cubs Reds Cardinals Brewers Pirates NL West uh Dodgers Diamondbacks Padres Rockies Giants so that's what I've got for my MLB division races my predictions for the division races coming into this season I am very excited for baseball to be back it is it is fantastic to have baseball back and let's just quickly run through this before we take a quick break, but my award winners for the AL MVP, Mike Trout. I think you'd also throw an Aaron Judge in there for running in there as well. Uh, Dark Horse, Shoei Otani could be up there. Cy Young, I think Garrett Cole wins it for the AL. Should have won it last year, but didn't happen, so we'll go up there for the AL. Rookie of the Year, I'm going with Luis Robert for the White Sox. I think Jesus... Lizardo and joe adele from the angels will also be up there but i'm gonna go with robert al manager of the year joe madden if he gets the angels back to the playoffs i think he could be right up there for one of the best managers in baseball this scene winning the al manager of the year i think rocco Baldelli could be up there as well i think he won it last year for the al for the twins but he'll be up there and rick Renteria for the white Sox for the turnaround they have so then you have two former chicago cubs managers and the top two manager, top two of the top three managers for the AL Manager of the Year, at least for me, for the NL NL MVP, I'm going to give it to Ronald Acuna. He's going to win an MVP at some point. He's too good not to win an MVP at some point. And he'll he'll walk. I think he'll get it this year. I think Cody Bellinger, Pete Alonso are going to be up there as well for the A the NL M, 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 M Geez, NL MVP. I think Javi Baez is going to be up there as well just to throw a little cub in there, but I think it's, I think Ronald Acuna gets it this year, NL Cy Young, Jacob DeGrom, I think he's the best pitcher in baseball, I don't see him losing this award, this be three years in a row, I think, I think Jack Flaherty could get thrown up in there as well, and Walker Bueller for the Dodgers, I think those two could also be mentioned in that, rookie of the year, I think it's Gavin Lux is to lose, Um, I think he's the best put rookie in baseball right now, I think Carter Kaiboom could make some noises here at third base, but I'm going to give it to Gavin Lux. And the manager of the year, Brian Snicker for the Braves. I think he'll win. I think David Ross and Luis Rojas for the Mets could get mentioned up there as well. Luis Rojas. um, Yeah. With all the situations going on with the Mets this year, I think he could easily get thrown up in there. And I can't remember the Reds manager, but I put him on here as well. But I didn't put his name down. But I'm thinking about him. So, yeah, those are my award winners for the Major League Baseball for this upcoming season i'm very excited for this baseball season it's going to be freaking awesome and i for one cannot wait so with that being said let's take a quick break here on the logan blackman show we'll come back shortly to go over stay woke wednesday stay tuned welcome everybody to the last half hour of the logan blackman show here on this june 24th edition of the basement podcast and yeah, I've been outside in the basement watching Manchester United versus Sheffield United. And Manchester United are currently 2-0 up on the Blades at Old Trafford. in a An empty Old Trafford, the biggest stadium in the Premier League, is completely empty. But the crowd noise that the TV gives off makes it feel like it's a normal game. At least normal for the most part. But yes, Manchester United up 2-0. Two, two goals from Anthony Martial... Marcus Rashford getting the first assist and Aaron Wan-Bissaka getting the, the second assist it is the first game of the Paul Pogba Bruno Fernandez partnership and everything in that starting lineup is perfect it is the best starting lineup since uh, Sir Alex Ferguson left Manchester United this starting lineup is perfect for the most part for what the team has this is the best starting lineup they could throw out there the best backup the the best back line the best midfield best attack that Manchester United has had in a very, very long time, and they're looking great out there right now. Two really easy goals to save for Anthony Martial, just little tap-ins, didn't have to really do too much. The assists were basically, he just had to tap it. I think he had two touches total on both goals. He had one tap, Marcus Rashford made a beautiful move down the right side, Martial slotted it in with his left foot. Juan Bissaka gets a nice little pass from, I believe, Fernandez or Pogba was one of those two. One of Those, those two started it. And then Wan-Bissaka sent in a low cross. Martial sent it in past the goalkeeper to give him a 2-0 lead. And yeah, Manchester United looking really, really good. And as for the other games that are on right now, they're they're not really worth mentioning. <laughs> Manchester United versus Sheffield United is the only game that has had a goal scored so far. All four games that are played right now are at halftime. Wolves versus Bournemouth, 0-0. Newcastle versus Aston Villa, 0-0. Norwich versus Everton, nil-nil. But Manchester United, Sheffield United, 2-1 is the score. Two goals from Anthony Martial. Obviously, player of the match so far, 8.2 rating off of whoscored.com. Marcus Rashford has a 7.31. Basaka has a 7.2. Pogba and Mason Greenwood are the next two. Greenwood with a one and Pogba with a 7. It is so nice to see Paul Pogba back in the starting lineup for Manchester United. I missed him. We really missed him. Because as a... As far as creativity goes, other than Bruno Fernandez, there wasn't a lot of creativity throughout this team, especially with Pogba out. You would have, a few years ago, if you had told me Andreas Pereira would be next to useless at Manchester United, I would have called you crazy because there's so much hype around Andreas Pereira when he was first coming up through the youth team. There was so much hype around him. You're like, when's this guy going to get a game? He's balling out in the U23s. He's balling out on loans. Well, he needs he needs to get back to Manchester United, and now he's back, and nothing great's really happened since then. Jesse Lingard's completely fallen off since the 20, what was it, 2018 World Cup. had a complete fall. Off. People were comparing him to Manchester. They were, they were calling Jesse Lingard Manchester United's David Silva. That's what they were actually calling him, and he had a great 2018 World Cup, but I believe there's been a lot of personal stuff that's gone on off the field for Jesse Lingard in his life so hopefully he gets all that stuff figured out soon because he on his day he is a good player but he's just struggled these past two years since that World Cup where he played an absolutely brilliant performance now he's nowhere near the England setup as far as as I'm concerned but now Pogba Fernandez are all back Rashford it's the first time these three have played together which is beautiful United's three best players Arguably, and then you got Harry Maguire back there as well. Anthony Martial can get thrown in there as well. Aaron Wan-Bissaka. There, it's just beautiful. I loved watching it. It was exciting. The goals weren't anything spectacular. It wasn't anything that would like make you stand up and go, "Oh my God, I can't believe that just happened." Now I did that. I did do that twice throughout the first half. Marcus Rashford missed two chances. First one was a little bit worse than the second one. Because the second one, it was just a nice little give and go play between Rashford and Pogba who chipped it over the back line, but Rashford just completely whiffed it. Could have had two goals for Marcus Rashford in this game, to be honest. But he has an assist. He's played well with his dribbling ability. It's, It's been a good – I can't complain. I can't complain. The only thing I can complain about is they should be up by more. They could be up 4-0 right now, which is crazy. Past, the past few years, anything I can complain about Manchester United, was I complain about everything about Manchester United. Now, there's not really a lot to complain about. Other than the fact that De Gea has completely fallen off the face of the earth since the 2018 World Cup, much like Jesse Lingard. And Victor Lindelof does not know how to head a ball, as he showed earlier in this game, where it was very suspect of him heading a ball. Now, if they get Jaden Sancho this offseason, or in the transfer window, that'd be perfect. And if Dean Henderson, if they feel is ready to challenge David De Gea, then I hope he challenges him. Because I think Dean Henderson can push him for that number one jersey. I'm just all about competition at Manchester United. You know, it's just just get players in that can provide competition for the players we already have, because <laughs> the future's looking bright. But at the point in time, that's not this squad that we have right now is not going to challenge anything. They got to add a few little pieces in there, and then they could start challenging Liverpool for titles. Which Liverpool, I believe, they win today, win the title. I don't know if that's correct, but they have a game later today, or maybe they need six points or something. They drew the last one against Everton. So maybe they need five more points. They need a win, and then a win the next time. They're, if they don't win the title today, they'll win the title eventually. They're so far off. Manchester City in the points scored tally this season. It's not even close. So with that being said, let's end our little soccer talk because we've got Stay Woke Wednesday or Woke Wednesday, whatever you want to call it. It's got, we've got many names for this Wednesday's topic, and I've got some good one Not as good as last week, but I still have got some have got some stuff for you. So I'd first like to start off with this one. The best team of the decade for the NFL, the 2013 Seattle Seahawks. Now, Seattle Seahawks, if you remember, during that year, that was the year they went 13-3. and The Legion of Boom was huge, and they obliterated the Denver Broncos in the Super Bowl 43 day. My favorite Super Bowl I have ever watched. They absolutely obliterated the Denver Broncos obliterated them I was at my friend Dylan Gardner's house who is a lifelong Broncos fan him and his family are all Broncos fans and yeah I was it was awesome one of the greatest Super Bowls I've ever watched in my entire life me and my friend Noah were over there and we were just laughing the entire time And the just the the sadness on his face was awesome number two on this list is this is where we get interest so I have no complaints about number one Seahawks—they had the, arguably the greatest, one of the greatest defenses of all time with the Legion of Boom: Richard Sherman, Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas—all those guys. I have no problem with them being number one. It's the rest of the list I have a little bit of a problem with. Number two is the 2010 Patriots. The Patriots that season finished 14 and two. They had what? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight Pro Bowlers. They had six players that made first or second team All NFL. Very good stuff there. But if you're gonna call, say, the greatest teams or the best teams of the decade, you cannot throw in a team that lost in the divisional round to the New York Jets. The Jets that season, uh, it's not even gonna pop up, but I think they finished nine and seven that season, or ten and six. It was Mark Sanchez Jets. You could not throw in that team if you lose in the divisional round of the playoffs. The The Divisional Round of the Playoffs good lord 14-2 impressive amount of pro Bowlers, amount of all pros good stuff very very nice but you can't throw them in the best teams of the decade if you want if they lost the divisional round to the New York Jets next team on the list 2015 Seattle Seahawks now I don't know if ESPN wrote down the wrong team because the 2014 Seahawks went to the Super Bowl, and went 12 and four lost to the New England Patriots. The 2015 Seahawks went 10 and six finished second in their division and lost in the divisional round against the Panthers. So I don't know if they put the wrong year down for this one. So I might give them the benefit of the doubt on this one, but they went 10 and six, started the season two and four that, Why are they listed in the... They have to have put the wrong year down. So, the 2015 Seahawks went 10-6, finished second in their division. Yeah, they had seven Pro Bowlers, three AP All-Pros, but they lost in the divisional round. The Seahawks of the 2014 season had one less Pro Bowler, had five All-Pros, and lost in the Super Bowl. Finished 12-4, won their division. So, I could see that being one... But again, they didn't win a Super Bowl. I You cannot, and when I'm talking about greatest teams of all time, you cannot throw teams that have not won anything over teams that have won something. So you give the 2015 Seahawks, they, they had to screw that up because the 2015 Seahawks didn't do anything. They lost in the division rounds. I don't know. I, I don't know. Next one, number four, the 2012 Seahawks. The 2012 Seahawks finished 11 5 lost in the divisional round to the Falcons. They had six pro bowlers and four first team, they had four pro all pros. Rich Sherman and Max Unger, Earl Thomas, Marshawn Lynch. This was the year they drafted Russell Wilson and Bruce Irvin and basically their entire franchise flipped on its head because Russell Wilson came in as a starter. Yeah, the, I don't get this list. Now, according to some of the comments, This was from Ernie Stowell. He said, football outsiders use their own metrics, DVOA, which takes into account how good their offense and defense teams played that year. It's not based on who won the Super Bowl playoff game. It looks out how well a team performed against good, bad defense, then against good, bad offense, or put those scores together. I don't care. Then don't call it the best teams of the decade (laughs) because they're not. The Seahawks, I'll give you the first one. I might be able to say I might 100% agree that the Seahawks of 2013 season, that ass pounded the, <laughs> the Broncos in the Super Bowl, are the greatest team of the decade. I will give you that. Because I don't know they they won a Super Bowl, went 13-3, the are the greatest defense of the decade. Pounded Peyton Manning and the Broncos the year after the year Peyton Manning won the MVP, and they pounded them. But these other teams the Patriots lost the divisional round every the two and three and four lost the divisional round and we haven't even gotten to number number five on this list number five is the 2019 Baltimore Ravens the 2019 Baltimore Ravens finished 14 and two had the best rushing attack in the NFL Marshall, uh, Lamar Jackson finished season 3,000 passing yards 1,000 rushing yards Led the league in passing touchdowns. But they lost in the divisional round of the playoffs. Again, so two, three, four, and five lost in the divisional round of the playoffs. I don't even know why the 2015 Seattle Seahawks are on here. I could get the year before. 2015, no. 2019 Ravens one of the best regular season football teams of all time but no one cares about how good you were in the regular season if you don't win the Lombardi trophy the 15 and 1 Vikings lost the Atlanta Falcons in the playoffs who lost the Broncos in the Super Bowl no one cares about the Minnesota but everybody talks about the missed field goal but no one cares about oh this team was so good no they talk about they missed a field goal and didn't go to the Super Bowl No one cares about the team that came second or team that didn't win the Super Bowl because everybody talks about how good the Vikings were. The Falcons were 14-2 that year. No one cares how good you were in the regular season. If you lose in the divisional round, I'm not going to talk to you about it. Now, if I'm doing this, I can give you the 2013 Seahawks. I don't know if I would throw the 2019 Kansas City Chiefs on here because their defense has not been that good Throughout the decade, throughout their history, essentially, other than the year of like Derek Thomas on the team, their defense hasn't been amazing. Justin Houston, uh, Tom Bahali, Eric Barry, they haven't had amazing defense, especially recently. Now they got Tyron Matthews. Now they got a uh, Chris Jones there as well. So they got some good players on defense. But 2013 Seahawks, yeah, I'll give you that one. They're a great team. Uh, they, no way about it. They're just a great team. So, yeah, I'm easy with that one, but I, didn't, I don't have any other teams on here because I need to actually go through and look at this. I just screenshotted this and was like, geez, okay, this is some interesting picks here. Four of these five teams lost in the divisional round. The only one of these teams won a Super Bowl, but we're going to call them the best of the decade. I don't care if, if, you, if football outsiders uses their own metrics, they need to change those metrics. Those metrics are stupid. Nobody looks at that and go, oh, yeah, the – 2010 Patriots are one of the greatest teams of all time. Probably one of the greatest teams of all time They didn't win a Super Bowl. they one of the greatest teams of all. Time. I put the Eagles in there. They wanted they were underdogs throughout the playoffs. They had a quarterback that was going to win the MVP, go out with an injury, and they still won a Super Bowl. I might throw them up there. Um the Baltimore Ravens with Ed Reed and um Ray Lewis, I don't know how I forgot Ray Lewis. Could be up there as well. Anquan Bolden at wide receiver. That's a real, I'm just thinking of teams that pop in because Joe Flacco's not the greatest quarterback of all time. Neither is Nick Foles, but I would still throw those teams above there. why? Because they won. I don't care if you lost. You're not in any list of the best teams of the decade if you didn't win anything. Regular season games mean jack squat if you don't come away with the Lombardi trophy. It's like what the Bulls said. What did the, what's the saying go? 70, 72 don't mean a thing without the ring. Bulls win seventy-two and ten. One of the the greatest seasons of all time. The year after Jordan came back, seventy-two and ten don't mean a thing without the ring. Same thing came up with the Warriors when they won seventy-three games. Don't mean a thing without the ring. Warriors lost the NBA Finals, choked it away three-one. Nobody cares. Nobody cares how good that team was. No one talks about them because they blew a three-one lead. If you don't win, nobody cares. At least I don't care. I don't care how good you were in the regular season didn't win a championship you're not one of the greatest teams of all time i don't care i'd even throw (laughs) the the giants that won the super bowl over the bills with jeff hostetler ron dane mark ingram senior above some of these teams on here because they won a super bowl i don't care if you win a super bowl you're one of the greatest teams of all time if you don't don't care the new england patriots 16 and 0 lost to the giants in the super bowl not one of the greatest teams of all time they're one of the greatest teams of all time that didn't win a Super Bowl, which NFL Network has done those lists of top ten teams that haven't won a Super Bowl. They'd definitely be on there, if I remember right. But they're no. So yeah, the I don't care if football outsiders does their own metrics thing. That's not how this will work. <laughs> that's not how uh, no. Next one I got in here. This is a basketball one. This is Lakers sideline Reporter Mike Trudell. I think Alice Caruso is better than Lou Williams. Straight up. Okay. What are you basing this on? (laughs) The meme of Alice Caruso has outgrown (laughs) the player himself. Alice Caruso is a bang average basketball player. He's not that good. He makes plays that are funny to watch. It's kind of like a kicker tackling. You know why it's fun to watch? It's because it's a white guy dunking a basketball. That's why it's funny. No one would care if this was Rajon Rondo doing this. But the fact that it's some bald white dude dunking a basketball, it's funny. So everybody loves it. The meme of Alice Caruso has outgrown the actual skill of the basketball player. (laughs) Alice Caruso, for his career, has averaged, okay, let me adjust my glasses here, 5.7 points a game. 5.7. He averages 2.1 assists, 2.0 rebounds, 0.3 blocks, 0.9 steals. Now steals are gone, up. he averages a steal a game for the past two seasons. But um yeah, the only person that is <laughs> going to um <laughs> I the meme has outgrown the player. It's simple as that. That, straight up, the meme of Alex Caruso has outgrown the player. So for someone that actually saying that, that Alex Caruso is better than Lou Williams, one of the greatest sixth men in NBA history. Not saying he's a Hall of Famer, but in regards to sixth men, Lou, there's not a lot better than Lou Williams. You look at Lou Williams' career, he averages 14.5 points a game. The last four seasons, he's averaged above 18.5 points a game. Two of the last three seasons, he's averaged... 20 points a game his career high he got in 2017-18 well into his 30s at 22.6 or not well into his 30s but in his 30s Lou Willis started a grand total of 118 games he played 996 one of the greatest six men of all time in no world other than the Lakers fans deluded world just because Alex Cruz was a meme and it's funny like in no world should Alex Caruso actually be receiving all-star votes? No way that should be happening. Same with Taco Fall. The memes have grown larger than the player. And that's saying a lot for Taco Fall, because Taco Fall is a big man. The memes have outgrown the player. So, uh, Trudell, I'm sorry, I don't know who told you that, or why is Alex Caruso got provocative pictures of you, Somewhere keeping him hostage, like, hey, uh, you gotta tell these guys that I'm better than the, one of the best six men to ever play the game play the game of basketball. Yeah, I'm I'm sorry, Alex. I think the meme is hilarious. Um I really enjoy the meme of Alice Crusoe, but you're not better than Lou Williams. I'm sorry. It's just not true. It's the exact same thing what we were talking about with pitchers hitting a baseball and getting a double or a home run. Same thing about kickers leveling somebody or a punter tackling someone like punters get drug tested after they lay out somebody alice caruso dunks a basketball on a putback everybody goes crazy because he's some bald white dude no one, can, no one cares about how good of a bad he's not a good bad he's he's an all right basketball he's way better than me i'm not saying i'm anything but yeah, the meme is outgrown the player next one i got on here it's one of those the dumbest trend on social media right now it is that whole um, like comment, retweet thing, but Instagram has started it now. So now it's like comment or share. Now this one's done because this one should, if you're going to have a list like this, put the guy that is not likes on Twitter and Instagram are the easiest things to get. So don't put the person that is going to win (laughs) at the likes to Prove your point that this player is the best. Make it harder for them to actually say this guy's the best. Like put it in comments or put it in retweets. Putting it at likes, that's easy. That's the dumbest part of this thing. That's how you really test somebody if they really like this person. Because liking it, that is the least stressful thing on Twitter. You know how many things I like on Twitter? How many things a lot of people just click the heart on Twitter? Or favorite, throwing it back a little bit. You know how many people retweet things? Nobody retweets things. Because retweeting, that's showing like, oh man, I believe I love this. This is awesome. I'm retweeting it. Liking it, it just goes into another thing, and people may or may not see it. If you retweet it, that's the first thing people see when you click on your profile. So like this one. Uh you know the drill. Which I hate it. This is my least favorite social media trend right now. Like for Patrick Mahomes, comment from Lamar Jackson, share for Deshaun Watson. Now, why would you throw Patrick Mahomes on like? You know the po- on Instagram, I blindly like things all the time, or not blind. I I go I skim through it and like it. If I don't like it, then I won't like it. I guess I don't just go like 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 everything. I do that sometimes, but not not all the time. So like, you're just gonna naturally get someone scrolling past it and like it you know how many how much longer it takes to comment something you know how much longer I mean sharing something takes a shorter time than commenting there's 20,000 likes this is from yesterday that I uh, well actually I guess it was tweeted or posted six days ago but I found it yesterday uh there's 20,000 likes 1,000 comments and I don't know how many shares there are but first off here's one thing I'm going to say about this whole thing I've already said it, but don't throw Patrick Mahomes on like. Make people work for it to prove he's the best. Which he is the best. I hundred percent. I'd like it, but I I didn't because I don't follow Sunday Night Football. I don't follow a lot of sites on my Twitter. I follow a lot of people I know and teams. It's about it on it's on Instagram on Instagram. But Lamar, sure. Why would you throw Deshaun Watson on there? I'm in the camp that he's a top five quarterback in the league maybe put it, maybe that might be a strike by at least top seven. Why would you not throw Russell Wilson in there? I'd throw Russell Wilson in there easily over Deshaun Watson. I think the first two are fine. Patrick Mahomes, and uh, Lamar Jackson. I think those are fine. But Deshaun Watson, I love Deshaun Watson. I love watching him play. Now, is this just a way to get Bears fans upset by going, oh, here's the two guys you passed on plus Lamar Jackson. Is that just what this whole gimmick was? because in no world is Deshaun Watson up there with those two Russell Wilson is I think those three are on a tier by themselves I'd even put Russell Wilson above Lamar Jackson my top three quarterbacks in the league go Lamar or Patrick Mahomes Russell Wilson Lamar Jackson that's my top three and then you could I would probably throw Deshaun and Carson Wentz right behind him if I'm being honest but don't throw Deshaun on that throw Russell Wilson on there before you throw Deshaun Watson on there I'm fine with the Mahomes and Lamar Jackson inclusions, but, well not fine, I'm perfectly fine with that, but uh, don't throw Deshaun on there, and don't post any more of these like, comment, share things, or like, comment, retweet things, those are annoying, just post a normal poll, like n- most people, they have a thing on there for polls, so you don't need to, I'm trying to figure out something, like this, retweet this, and you'll share your opinion, just post it a poll, like a normal person, you don't need to do the like heart, uh, retweet comment, share thing. I don't care. Do that. This was something I also saw earlier. This, this one's not really a woke thing, but <laughs> which would you choose? I just think it's funny. Which would you choose if your freedom depended on it? Solo tackle Derek Henry at full speed and beat Chris Johnson in a foot race. Now, I think it's crazy that one of the fastest running backs in NFL history, one of the strongest running backs in NFL history, both played for the Titans. Which is I just think that's funny how those two both play. But I would rather beat Chris Johnson in a race. That might be controversial. I'm not getting run over by a six foot three, two hundred and fifty-pound running back at full speed. I've seen what he does to people that are the same size as him. I'm six foot, I think like two ten. I am not getting in the way of Derrick Henry. I'm not going to beat Chris Johnson in a race, but at least I won't come out of that in any physical pain. (laughs) That's what I'm going to avoid here. The pain that, that is what I am going to do. Avoid pain at all costs. And then finally, for my last thing of stay, woke, I just thought that was funny. That wasn't really a stay woke thing. I just wanted to share that because I thought that was really funny. Um, this one's kind of topical. I was on Twitter, and CBS Sports, known for making really funny polls and making really funny lists and all that stuff. We've made fun of them on the show before a thousand times, it feels like. But CBS Sports have outdone themselves this time. This is topical because we talked about this on Monday. The top ten corners and the top ten safeties. Now, we did a top ten defensive backs list on Monday. Or, uh, D-backs bracket. We did that on Monday. So, let's look at this list. This is from Voice of the Star. I can't remember who he is, but... he was getting roasted on Twitter for these lists. I had to make sure to screenshot before CBS Sports deleted the tweet. <laughs> they probably, these lists are terrible. So, the top ten corners. Let's start with that. Because C comes for S in the alphabet. Number one, Stephon Gilmore. Perfect. I'm cool with that. He is the best corner in the NFL. This is where the list goes to, for lack of a better term, list goes to shit. <laughs> this list just goes downhill from here. Marcus Peters at number two. My problem, I think Marcus Peters is an elite cornerback. I would probably not, I I would have no problem with him on the list. But he's not better than his own, he's not the best cornerback on his team. <laughs> That's Marlon Humphrey. Marlon Humphrey about to get paid in a few years, or maybe next year. J, Marcus Peters is not better than him. Number three, I think this guy's a really good corner, but come on. Joe Hayden. I think he's a top 10 corner in the league as well. Number three. Joe Hayden's good. I'm not disrespecting Joe Hayden. You're over. You're disrespecting Joe Hayden by putting him above some of these corners of the league. I think he's an elite corner as well. But number three, no. Number four, Jalen Ramsey. Now, this is the first time I've ever seen Jalen Ramsey listed behind Joe Hayden and Marcus Peters. I am not a Jalen Ramsey fan. I think he's slightly overrated. That's just me. I think he's a wannabe Deion Sanders. But... I would not rank him below these two. (laughs) There's corners I would definitely rank him at. I think four or five is fine for Jalen Ramsey. But, nah. Nah, nah, nah. Number five, Patrick Peterson. I think he's the most disrespected corner in the NFL. I think on his day, he is the best corner in the NFL. But he's getting older. He had a down year last year for his standards. And his standards are extremely high. I think five might be fair for him number six Byron Jones I think six somewhere around that area is fine for Byron Jones I think he's a very good cornerback he was the best player on the Cowboys defense for or at least defensive back for a while signed the biggest contract in cornerback history so I think it, six is fair but number seven is where I'm concerned very concerned number seven straight avius white yes he has to be in the top 10 list but Seven is so disrespectful to Tredavious White. Tredavious White's the second best corner in the NFL. There's no really debate about it. I'll give you, if you want to put someone above, like Marlon Humphrey, above him, that's fine. That's on you. In no world is, is Tredavious White the third best cornerback in his own division, let alone the seventh best corner in the league. Trey White is the second best corner in the NFL and he's pushing Stephon Gilmore for that role, number one. No. Number eight, Xavier Howard. I put him just outside the top ten. That's just me. I think he's a very good corner. He's been the best player of the Dolphins defense for a while, but I would put him just outside the top ten. Number nine, Chris Harris. Uh, He's not the best corner on the Chargers. That's Casey Hayward. Casey Hayward, statistically, is the fifth best lockdown corner in the NFL fifth or fourth I can't remember what the list said Chris Harris not the best cornerback on his own team how can you put him at the number nine in the NFL same thing with Marcus Peters he's not the best on his own team and you don't even put the other guy in there it's ridiculous number 10 Marshawn Lattimore I might throw him up a little higher that's just me players that are missing uh Casey Award we just talked about him Richard Sherman was a second team all pro selection last year Yes, he got burned in the Super Bowl, but I would still throw him in the top 10 corners in the NFL. Then uh, Darius Slay is not on here either. Marlon Humphrey is not on this list either. Denzel Ward is not on this list either. Like, there's so many other corners you could list that are excluded off this list. The top four should read Gilmore, White, Humphrey, and I'll give you Ramsey. And then the rest of the list... I would probably throw um, – because the Super Bowl is going to be a big target point on <laughs> Richard Sherman. I might throw Patrick, Pete Patrick Peterson at five, then Sherman, then Hayden, number eight, Casey Hayward, number nine, Denzel, number 10, Marshawn. That's just me guessing – that's just me trying to think of – because if you're going lockdown lock down corners, shut down corners – None are a lot better than Casey Hayward. Casey Hayward is one of the best corners in the NFL. He just to get thrown to anymore, so no one ties us. He's suffering from Patrick Peterson syndrome. It's ridiculous. On his day, I think Casey Hayward's a better corner than Jalen Ramsey. But as of right now, I might give the edge to Jalen Ramsey. That's just me thinking. If I was actually going to sit down and create a list, that would be my list would be a lot different. But that's just me talking off the top of my head. Next one, top ten safeties in the NFL. Same thing, voice of the star. I don't know who is yet who he is, but in the CBS sports, again, they've known for their weird list. Number one safety in the NFL, uh, Tyron Matthew. I think he's talented. I'd put him up there as top five safety in the league. But uh number one, well, a little bit of a I don't know, maybe. Number two, Minka Fitzpatrick. Cool, fine with that. Number three, Jamal Adams. Uh fine. I'd put him at, I'm cool with it in the three four Harrison Smith yeah sick I I guess number five Anthony Harris now I, I said this on Monday with Anthony Harris and not a lot of people because we, we're recency biased people that's how sports works sports are very recency biased like what have you done recently which is probably why Richard Sherman's not on the list because he got absolutely torched in the Super Bowl by the Chiefs but Anthony Harris has played has started before this past year a combined between the first four years dude's been in the league for five years so this isn't like he just was a rookie that came on the scene last year he's been in the league for five years in his five years four years prior to last year he had three interceptions total he had a grand total of 11 starts and yeah just nothing overly spectacular he had career highs in pretty much every single category last year career and starts he actually started 14 games 60 combined tackles 35 solo tackles, 23 assisted tackles, 11 pass defense, six interceptions, 42 yards per return, a pick six, which he's never had in his career before. Uh, number five, he's been in the league for five years. I don't think we can rank him at number five. He's had one good year in the NFL. He's been a good player, but not number five worthy. Number six, Justin Simmons for the Broncos. Uh, fine. Devin McCourty. I don't know. I wouldn't put him in the top 10. I'd put him somewhere around here, but I don't know. Number eight, Derwin James. Way too low for Derwin James. Wait, number eight? You put him by an Anthony Harris? Okay, we can do the whole thing of he's only had one good season, too. In his one good season, Derwin James was named first team all pro in his first year in the league and was one of the best all around players in the NFL. Anthony Harris, his one claim to fame is that he's interceptions co-leader in 2019 with like three or four other players. Do, you, do not disrespect Derwin James like that and put in mind Anthony Harris and Devin McCourty and Justin I think Simmons and McCourty are good safeties, but I would not in any world rank him behind Derwin James or Kevin Byard. Kevin Byard is one of the best ball-hawking safeties in the NFL why is he number nine and then Earl Thomas at 10 I don't know i I need to find out who this man is because he tried to defend himself on Twitter let's see if they actually deleted the tweet because uh a COS what is that COS sports CBS sports HQ let's see if they still have this thing on here I don't follow CBS sports on Twitter but see if the list still exists because if it doesn't then I would I would find that very very funny but I wouldn't be surprised either. Oh, here we go. So yeah. Top 10 safeties. And it's still here. Voice of the star. Let's find out who he is. Um, Patrick Walker, Patrick, no C Walker. I don't, I don't know. Uh, Eddie Jackson should be on this list is uh, Eddie Jackson needs to be on this list for the Chicago bears. He needs to be a Jackson is amazing. At He's one of the best safeties in the NFL. And if you go through the comments, it's disrespect to Eddie Jackson. Disrespect to Eddie Jackson. Like this list right here. This list is a thousand times better. So Jerry Layton. I don't know who he is, but uh he works for the New York Post, Chicago Bears football. Here's his list. Jamal Adams, number one, Minka Fitzpatrick, Tyron Matthew, Derwin James, Harrison Smith, Eddie Jackson, Kevin Byard, Justin Simmons, Micah Hyde, Malcolm Jenkins. That list is a billion times better. I didn't even mention Micah Hyatt or Jordan Poyer, arguably the best safety tandem in the NFL. You cannot have Anthony Harris on this. He's played five seasons in the league, and he's had one good one. <laughs> we cannot throw him at number five in the NFL as one of the best safeties and not list Eddie Jackson and put Derwin James behind him. Now, I agree. I think Jamal Adams probably is the best safety in the NFL. The versatility that he has is insane. He's much like Derwin James. Same with Tyron Matthew before him. Like, <laughs> how is Derwin James? How is, okay, the people that shouldn't even be on the list, as we talk, Anthony Harris, Devin McCourty, or, I don't know. I, I would keep, but I, I could be persuaded to keep Earl Thomas on there. But Kevin Byard needs to be higher. There's no way that, oh, geez. Yeah. That is what I would – I agree with that. Eddie Jackson needs to be on this list. Micah Hyde, the most disrespected safety in the NFL, needs to be on this list. Derwin James needs to be in at least the top four. Yeah, that list, Jeremy Layden, you made a thousand times better list than other guy. I don't even know who – the voice of the star. I need – Patrick, no C. Walker. I don't know who that is, but man, you need to stop making lists. You made two of the worst lists of defensive backs I've ever seen – My entire life, the cornerbacks list is worse, but that safeties list is terrible as well. So that's why we have this Stay Woke Wednesday. So you don't go out believing everything you read on social media because these so quote unquote experts be trying to fill your head with lies. And yeah, you just got to stay woke. You can't believe all these quote unquote experts because they just because they work for a big time network like CBS does not mean they know jack about anything in what world is trey white the seventh best corner in the nfl that is that is that alone decredits the list we don't even need to go through the rest of the list but you put marcus peters and joe Aiden above him is also ridiculous so i think our top 10 corners top top 12 corners maybe i need to make my own list because i'll probably come back with that on friday while we're doing top five dumbest we get top five list top five dumbest list cbs sports ever made because we can make a top five out of that easy but no we have to stick with our nfl teams so with that being said we're going to end the show here i will see you guys on friday with top five dumbest friday Funday, which we did not get to last friday and i hope you all have a great rest of your week until then i will see you all later peace